from the Heritage Foundation. I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. The flu virus hits big with aches, chills, and fever. There's no such thing as a little flu, and it needs a big solution, an antiviral. So when the flu hits, call your doctor right away and up the ante with antiviral Tamiflu. The flu sucks everything out of you. The fever, aches, and chills can flatten you fast. Prescription Zofluza can help you feel better in just over two days. We've all seen the goofy commercials on TV that feature someone with a pale face, in their pajamas, sneezing and coughing into ravaged tissues, looking like they're knocking on heaven's door about to meet their maker. And if you've had the flu, you know it's no goof. It is the worst. In fact, I would rather have a month of a cold than one day of the flu. Maybe that's why almost every commercial selling a flu remedy is humorous. It's so bad, there's nothing left to do but laugh at it. Then again, maybe we can laugh at it because we've developed ways to get through the flu and we know we can make a full recovery. But what if we didn't know how to deal with the flu? Enter coronavirus. We need to be clear. We're basically at a pandemic now. So maybe you've heard about the coronavirus. It's a fast-spreading virus that originated in China and unfortunately is proving... The coronavirus crisis continues to worsen in China in the meantime. The The Chinese whistleblower doctor who told the world about the coronavirus in Wuhan has died. A third case of coronavirus has been identified in the UK. That may be the first indication of what is called community transmission. That is the virus passing from one person to another here in Hong Kong. While numbers differ, estimates show that nearly 73,000 people have so far been diagnosed with coronavirus, and it's responsible for nearly 2,000 deaths. That's compared to an estimated 42 million who got sick and 61,000 who actually died during last year's flu season in the United States alone. It seems like we're a long way from being as big of a deal as the regular flu. So why is coronavirus dominating the news cycle? Everywhere we look, we are seeing headlines and hearing from news outlets about the coronavirus. How serious is the problem? Where did it come from? What do we know and what do we still need to know? Most of all, can we trust the information we are getting from China? Well, first of all, they they delayed about a month before they even recognized that this wasn't, they had an epidemic. So that was a month. Think about how many people could be infected. That's our friend Peter Brooks. He's a senior research fellow in the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy here at the Heritage Foundation. This week, he explains. Now, Peter, I want to start with 
I, I guess, proper terms, because this is very scientific. It's very yep. uh, can be confusing for people who um, are reading through this. So, yep. in 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 your paper, you you referred to this. I thought it was a good as a medical menace. Um, mm-hmm. And we hear the term coronavirus. We hear the term flu. We hear the term. SARS. We hear the term, you know, all of this stuff thrown around, technical jargon. What is the proper way to talk about this and how should we refer to it? Uh, It's a virus to start with, okay, which includes things like the flu. Uh, But this is a specific type of virus called the coronavirus. And the reason it's called that is because if you were to look at it under a microscope, it has something that looks like a crown on it. Hmm. Uh, So that's where it is. And there's a whole family of these. Uh, SARS, uh, which was the severe acute respiratory syndrome of 2002-2003, which originated in China, is a cousin of the current uh, virus we're dealing with. In fact, the World Health Organization just came out with a new name for it. Originally, they were calling it novel coronavirus or new coronavirus. In other words, this is a new one. Now they're calling it a variation of SARS. Uh, So it's very close. Uh, It's a virus. Not exactly, uh, you know, basically in the same family of viruses that we deal with, uh, with the potential um, repercussions of the flu, such as pneumonia, uh, which can lead to fatalities. So, yeah, I guess that was my question. I mean, I I was reading statistics. I mean, so many cases of the flu every year pop up in America. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it, it's not, it's not common, but it is common. Um, people get the flu. Everybody knows everybody's had the flu or uh, knows somebody that's had the flu. Um, is this somehow worse than the flu strands that we have here in America or is this? We don't know yet. Okay. That's the issue. Uh, this is new Remember novel coronavirus. Um, this, uh, is, you know, if you look at, I, I've, in my papers on this, a couple of things I've written for Daily Signal and for Heritage Information. And, and by the way, we're going to link to all that in the show notes. So, so everybody log on to get more context, uh, that yeah. we might miss here. But when you talk about it, you know, you have to keep it in context. Um, this is of great concern. Uh, people have lost their lives. Mm. Uh, we've had fortunately as of uh, us sitting down today, no fatalities in the United States and only 13 cases, but many, many people over a thousand have died in China. As of right now, and right. that will change by the time this broadcasts. Yeah. Um, but so far this year in the United States, according to the CDC, the Center for D- Disease Control and Prevention, uh, there have been ten to twenty-five thousand American deaths from the flu alone. Wow! And in some years, over the last ten years, in the United States, from influenza or the flu, um, there have been as many as you know seventy-nine, eighty thousand deaths in one year. Yeah. And that's in that's not in that's <laughs> interestingly the peak flu season is November to February. It extends beyond that. But that's, you know, that of course in in the same thing with the mortality numbers. They can extend beyond that. But that's pretty intense when you think about it. Most yes. people don't think, so we're talking about we're talking about you know tens of thousands of cases in China. Uh we're talking about over a thousand deaths. Um, the flu season is actually has, can have higher mortality rates than that. Now, we don't know where this new virus is going. Uh, we have to be prepared. We have to be take preventive steps. And the administration has done that. But I think that's good context that you give there um, comparing to, to um, the flu that we're used to. Now, I, I want to move to where this started. Obviously, it, it started in China. Um, I've heard from, <laughs> and, and you've touched on this, it's from people eating bats and 
cats, yeah. all sorts of weird things like that. I mean, is that true? Is that where it's yeah. coming from? I hate to be I hate to be wonky, but I love this word. It's called it, this is a zoonotic pathogen. Z like zoo, anotic, <laughs> yeah. and what it means is that it's a a virus that is passed from animals to humans, and actually six out of ten infectious diseases today are zoonotic. Okay, they come from animals, huh. um, and a lot of the emerging diseases, about seventy five percent of them, are are also are, are zoonotic. So this is this is something most people don't think about. Um, and we don't know the exact origins of this yet. The Chinese are probably investigating it, but of course they're in the middle of a public health crisis, yeah, so we course. don't know. But the bat carries um, coronavirus. It doesn't affect its health, but it, it carries it. Now, if you consume a bat, or it somehow it is, tr- is transmitted from a bat to another animal, and you consume that animal. Um, this is, uh, you can, you can get it. Now, if you think about it in the terms of virology, um, you know, things like, um, SARS, which was, came from, that was originally believed to come from bats, uh, HIV, uh, you know, is, is also from animals originally, um, Marburg. I mean, there's a bunch of other things that the flu, the avian flu, the swine yeah, flu, right? Of course. These are things that, that come from animals. So there's there's big questions in science, as I understand it, about how these things are transmitted. And I'm not saying that animals are dangerous and be worried about the family dog, but the fact of the matter is, is that this is this is really the case. And when these animals sometimes are put together um, unexpectedly, like you don't see a lot of different species hanging around each other. You see, you know, the same species hanging around in flocks or in herds, but you don't necessarily see flocks and herds hanging around together. And when they're forced to put together, sometimes there can be transmission from one animal to another in unsanitary conditions. And that can be transmitted, uh, to human beings and have a, have a devastating effect. What is China's responsibility in spreading this? Well, they're they're trying to contain it. Okay. Uh, there were some mistakes made early on. Uh, they covered it up. Hmm. Uh, they did the same thing with the SARS epidemic in uh, 2002, 2003. Why? <laughs> well, there's, why cover it up? Well, why? Well, there's there's a you know my perception is from the outside is that it's part of their political system. Okay. Um, you have to remember that um, the Chinese Communist Party uh, is trying to manage its image among its people. Uh, they have a social contract where they've asked the people to give up the reins of political power in exchange for the Chinese government improving their standard of living. And when something like this, since it's all statal, yeah. something like this happens, the state is responsible for health care. Uh, the state is also takes the, takes the, the hit uh, for failure. So and people are occasionally afraid to report in the communist system. I mean, this is like Chernobyl and right. some other things that we've seen. People are afraid to report to their seniors that they have failed. So because there was a number of things, these wild game markets, which could be the origins of um, the, the coronavirus, it was in 2002, 2003, um, these were supposed to be shut down. Mm. It, they weren't clearly. So this could this could cost somebody their job. So this is people reporting up the chain of command about about this problem. But the problem is, is when people cover it up, these sort of things can get out of control. It sounds like, from what I've what I've read, they're they they are allowing the World Health Organization to come in. They're allowing a little, you know, sunshine and transparency on what the situation. People outside of China, can we trust that they are being totally 
transparent. No. Well, first of all, they, they delayed about a month before they even recognized that this wasn't, they had an epidemic. So that was a month. Okay. Think about how many people could be infected, yeah. right? Um, then, but to their credit, they did, when they did recognize that they had an epidemic going on, they did uh, do the genome sequencing on the, on the coronavirus and released it internationally. But the United States early on, uh, when this became an issue, come out and said, the CDC said, we're willing to help. Yeah. Let us come and help. Right. Chinese said no. They said no. Wow. They also said no to the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is just on the ground. A minimal team is just on the ground recently. Um, and so they they turned down outside assistance. Now, I think part of that was because they were worried what the world would see about the Chinese public health system, about about the stories that would come out about the cover-up and lack of transparency. But when you're talking about the interconnected world we live in, I mean, I couldn't even give you a number for the number of flights around the world today, but you know what I'm talking right. about. We all know this. Millions and millions of people moving around, um, and certainly out of China to all continents, I would say, um, except maybe Antarctica, uh, which, uh, but, you know, for, you know, all, all, all points of the world, um, this is of, you know, of tremendous concern. The other thing that's really important is to understanding the diseases is things like, once again, I don't want to get too wonky here, but like incubation periods, communicability periods, incubation periods means when does, when do symptoms show up? Yeah. At what period, at what point is somebody able to communicate this disease to somebody else, transmit it to somebody else? That's critically important to know because if you have people coming through the airports and you're checking their temperature, mm. um, you know, it, it's it, it, that that may if they have a fever, that gives you an idea that they may be sick. Right. But maybe they have the, the virus and they're not yet showing fever or they're asymptomatic. Right. And yeah. can they transmit those diseases when they're asymptomatic? I mean, these are... You know, these are incredibly important questions and uh, that need to be answered. And taking a step aside from our conversation with Peter, who's going to CPAC this year? I'll tell you what, Michelle and me will be there, and we are looking forward to meeting you in person. If you've got some time, be sure to stop by the Heritage booth in the exhibit hall or come to Radio Row and hang out at the Daily Signal booth. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your opinions on the show and uh, might get some free swag as well. So again, CPAC is next week. If you're going to be there, we look forward to seeing you. If not, we'll look forward to hearing from you online. Okay, back to our conversation with Peter. And you mentioned the World Health Organization. <laughs> Organization. I was reading today in the Wall Street Journal. They said, and this is a quote, China is actually setting a new standard for outbreak response, and they urged countries in in the, the World Health Organization has urged countries not to restrict travel. Yeah. What, why? What? What are? The, I mean, I know a lot of countries are ignoring that, but right. but. Why would the World Health Organization say that? It seems contrary to what you're saying. Well, I I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So I'm just surmising. Yeah. Okay, what are, what are the possibilities? Um, I, I personally disagree. I think the Trump administration did the right thing by restricting travel. Um, we fortunately have some people who, Americans who are evacuated, are getting out of quarantine today and tomorrow, and that will continue as they arrive in the United States and have to be quarantined for 14 days. Of course, there are questions, once again, because the Chinese have not been as transparent as to whether the incubation period is 14 days or 24 days. Wow. So it's critically important we know this, but we have, we have you know, CDC and, and our public health 
system is is terrific. Uh, it's resilient. Um, they've uh, we've had no fatalities here, even though among the thirteen among the thirteen cases. So I don't know why the World Health Organization would do that. I certainly don't want them to make public health decisions based on politics. Yeah, China is the world is a very powerful country. Um, it is a um, you know it's a, it's a very powerful country, world's second largest economy, world's most populous country. I want the World Health Organization to do things based on health decisions. Peter, I've read um, a few places online. This isn't all over the place, but it it was enough for me to have you clear the air on it. And I know with your experience in national security, um, I have read that some people um, are concerned that this could be a blatant attack um, from someone to release this virus, you know, as we we talk about um, using this as a weapon. Uh, potentially, is is there any uh, is there any fear in that, or is there any um, validity to that? Is this characteristic of China? I, mean, I I don't know. Well, this where this potentially comes from. I haven't read everything that you've that you've read, uh, but there has been some uh, stories out there regarding a China's uh, biological weapons program having been working on coronavirus. China has a very um, strong. Uh, enthusiastic biotechnology program in the country. Some of that is being used, there's concerns that some of that is being used for military purposes, such as in a biological warfare sense. One of the China's premier virology labs is in Wuhan. Interesting. There's, you know, there's been things said, and I can't, I, you know, I think the, the real issue here is now containing the virus, right. you know, and we, we, but we do need to get to what happened there. Uh, was this an accidental release? Um, was an animal that was being tested, you know, taken out of the institute? There's all sorts of possibilities that I can't address. Um, there are concerns about China having a, an offensive biological weapons program. And let me just say something here. Um, and it may not be related to this outbreak. Right. It might be the wild game markets that we talked about before, where yes. animals are uh, sold uh, for consumption and also for Chinese medicinal purposes, traditional Chinese medicinal purposes. So that's that's where the most people are saying this is probably where this came from because sure. that's where SARS came. They believe that's where SARS came from. Absolutely, back in, you know, a number of years ago. But there is this institute there. Now, when you talk about biological uh, biological weapons and uh, bio defense, you are allowed to do research and develop vaccines um, to uh, for defensive purposes. Like um, anthrax shots, smallpox, things along this line that your services, your military services may face in warfare. I mean, there is a biological weapons convention. Um, The United States has gotten rid of its offensive program, but not everybody has. There are concerns about it. There are concerns that China might be involved in things like like, uh, gene editing. And there have been some stories on the civilian side about this. Um, that people can certainly uh, Google and or look up on the internet to to read about from responsible sources, um, and there's there's a possibility that China may not only had um, you know uh, been working on things like Ebola for defensive purposes, but these things you can cross over to using these for offensive military purposes too, where you would use them on the battlefield. So there are concerns about this, and the Chinese it's not something that's out in the open. 
Um, and so I think there's going to be continuing questions about it, but I can't give and, you and the yeah, validity. it goes to the transparency. I right. mean, this is this is it's a situation that that yearns for transparency, and until then, you're going to get these posts on the internet. It's going to you know there's going to be a level of um, uncertainty and fear, and and so I, I appreciate you you um, you talking a little bit about that. Now I want to move to President Trump. He seems very confident when he talks about this. You know, mm-hmm. we're confident in, in in China that they're going to get this together, and um, we're going to be okay here in America. He's he's that's kind of his posture right now. So, um, how would you rate the U.S.'s response to this right now? I think it's been terrific. Okay, and I think the numbers bear that out. But because we don't know everything, I think the CDC is right to be concerned. The president was right to limit uh, limit travel. Um, some people weren't happy about that, but I think you have to, the, the first thing you need to do in responding here is contain the virus. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's our effort to contain it. Now we're, we're, we're at 13 cases, um, you know, gosh, we're at least a month in since, you know, we really became aware of this. Um, that's, that's good. Uh, people are, uh, we've not had any fatalities uh, in, the, in the United States, uh, thankfully so far, but something could change that. And so we have to be prepared. And I think the CDC is, you know, doing what it needs to do along with their, the health and human services where the CDC um, agency falls under is the lead agency, mm-hmm. not the Department of Defense, and then followed by the Department of Homeland Security. And I think the president was right to set up a Corona task force. Um, and But one of the things I suggested in one of my papers that I think is critically important, and it may be being done because we don't necessarily talk about these issues, but we need to do use may need to use intelligence resources to figure out what's really going on in China. Yeah, because we can't rely on them telling us. Peter, this is a big issue. Thank you for tracking it, and uh, thank you for explaining it to us. And uh, we'll 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 hopefully keep you uh, in the loop here, and that you'll keep us in the loop. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's it for another episode of Heritage Explains. Thank you so much for listening. I've linked to Peter's work in the show notes, so please log on and check them out if you want to learn more. Also, a special shout out to everyone who has answered the call and left us a comment and rated us five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your episode. The good news is we know there's a lot more of you out there who have yet to do it. So please log on and do your part. Michelle is up next week. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.